Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Index to maps. You want to get the entire scripture, God's mind on paper. That's your counsel. You want to do that. Now, those of you who are going to provide counsel for other people, and you're going to study counseling, whether you do it as a layman picking up books on counseling, or whether you go into a seminar on counseling, or whether you actually go for a degree on counseling, none of that do you walk out of here saying that I said you shouldn't do that. What I am saying is make sure that you know the word and that you put the word into all of this so that you are grounded in God's word so that as you're hearing these things, you can take what is true, take what will be helpful, take which is not anti-biblical and use it. Throw away that would be a secular worldview. Take away anything that is humanistic or man-centered. Take away from what you're teaching or what you're being taught the things that are going to put God on a back burner or eliminate him entirely or worse yet. And you'll hear this in some schools. That the reason you have the problem is because you're a Christian. And that whole issue is what you listen to on late night television with comedians and all the rest, that Christians are what's botching up this world. So let's go back to that. And by the way, let me say this. I think some of that is true. It's, it's Christ who's not botching up the world. It's Christians who are not living according to Scripture. That is. Okay, with that in mind, look over here at Hebrews chapter 4. This is a very profound passage of Scripture, once again reminding me, again, why it becomes the best counsel. Verse 12 says this, and it's a verse you memorize. All of our kids in Awana memorize this. It's a, such an important passage. It says, For the word of God is living and active. If you'll give me a moment, let me explain the difference between living and active, because it sounds like he's redundant. Living and active. Well, first of all, we're not just talking about a force out there. We're not talking about an inanimate, inanimate object like an idol. It says here that it's living. It's alive. It's life-giving. So everything about it means that there's not an end to it. All right? It's the eternal word. Now stay with me. And active. And I like that part too because some things can be living but not very active. How many of you are going to take a nap this afternoon? If you get home in time to get one. How many of you are going to do that? Don't raise your hand. I promise you, you will not be dead. You may look like you're dead, but you're not. You're just not active, that's all. Now, some of you might be active. I don't know how you sleep. I don't really want to know how you sleep. But some are active. The Word of God is life-giving. And watch this. It is active. It's an active ingredient in helping us to resolve the issues of life from a biblical point of view. But let's go a little bit further. And it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, we already know about the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit, but it's interesting because this qualifies it a little differently. Here it does, just doesn't say it's the sword of the Spirit. Now it's saying it is even the sword of the Spirit that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, when I think of a sword, the Roman sword, you saw enough pictures of all that kind of stuff, you know, all that cut up, so maybe a samurai sword, you might think of that. I would much prefer to refer to it not so much as a big sword, a slash, but more like a scalpel in the hands of the world's greatest surgeon. And so now we have this two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Now that's a theology right there, the difference between soul and spirit. The point of the matter is, is that the Word of God could get into your emotions and it could also get into how you connect to God. So it deals with you from the emotional and the spiritual realm and then it talks about joints and marrows, which means that the Word of God will also affect you physically. 
And I'm glad that it does because a troubled heart also affects us physically. It goes a little bit further and it says, and is able to judge, or the word would be discern, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now this is really critical. This again helps us to understand why he's the wonderful counselor. His counsel is wonderful and great and why the word of God is so important. It says here that it could work with the thoughts of the heart. Now the thoughts would be the things often that we think about. In other words, I could program my heart to think about something. In a humorous way, don't think about the color blue. What are you thinking about when you don't think of the color blue? You think of blue, right? All right, so you can choose what you think about. Intentions are a little bit more subtle than that. They would be more of what we might say the intentions that are under you that sometimes you just do as a motivation. It's like a subconscious reaction to the things that are around you. Some of you, when you have a troubled heart, you get angry. Some of you, you have a troubled heart, you get in control. Some of you get a troubled heart, you cocoon. Some of you get a troubled heart, you laugh about it. It's a, what, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you did that brought you the troubled heart? So the Word of God now reveals even the more root issues that's going on in our lives, which is very important because sometimes a lot of people will deal with the surface problems and give you a surface solution instead of dealing with the root problem to give you a root solution. And that's why it's important to have God's Word right here. Uh, all of that being said, I would hope that maybe by now a couple things would happen. That you would have a healthy respect for God's Word when you have a troubled heart. And secondly, you'd have a healthy respect for God's Word to lovingly, with grace, come alongside someone that's struggling that you might be able to help them. Now, let me add one more caveat to this. <clears throat> if you become the counselor to someone else, which I believe you should... Let me see if I can say that another way. There's going to be some of you that have a limited amount of Bible knowledge because you're just beginning to grow. Some of you have a limited amount of Bible knowledge, although you've been saved a long time. But with that limited amount of Bible knowledge, let me listen very carefully. Don't just sit there and keep taking in, taking in. As you come in contact with people, take whatever you know of God's Word accurately, hopefully, and now minister that to them. I'm going to call you people maybe the first counselors. You're going to be the first words of encouragement to other people. Then you have the third, the second level. The second level would be those of you who have purposed in your heart to really know God's word and you're going to especially look for the hurting people and you're going to invite those kind of people to come to you so that in some measure you can help give them God's word and you've had some special training, watch this now, in God's word as well as how to best use God's, use God's word in the opening up of that person to discover what their root problems are. Alright, that's that level counselor. I'm praying that more of you would be that. The third level would be those that need extra training that's out there that might have to send someone away to a special type of doctor that might be able to help them with some of the chemical imbalances that they have, but all the time monitoring them, helping them get to the point wherever they can be, because a court will only be a court, to get them to that level of usefulness and intimacy with the Lord. So there's three different levels. Now that being said, now let me come back to this. So that's why if you want to counsel people and we agree that he's the counselor, this is the counsel. To the degree you allow the, the Lord, Holy Spirit Lord, inside of you to counsel through you by a yielded exchanged life in total holiness to Him. In other words, you're allowing Him to use a clean vessel fit for the Master's use. You allow Him to do that, then it's, in a sense, you're counseling someone. You're the voice. You're the, you're the loudness, okay? You're the body that might be doing it. But it's really the Lord using you to do that. 
you're there at that time and place in history in that person's life. Now let's go a little bit further. If the word of God is the counsel, and it should be and is, to the degree you know God's word and you know it theologically accurate, exegetically accurate, to that degree that you understand God, watch this, and you understand man in his depravity and all the rest in his nature, to that degree then you're able to now take God's word and now it's God's word helping this person that's going through life with a troubled heart. Now you have a lot of other help to go with you. You have the Holy Spirit, you have prayer, you have the brotherhood and sisterhood that might come alongside to help this person. But all of it is still central with Jesus Christ in His Word. Now I wanted to take a few minutes to unpack all of that because I won't have time next week to go through this. But I'd like to encourage you to go back over these verses that I've given to you. So I only have like four or five more minutes left. So let's go back to the Gospel of John. I've got I don't know how many points ahead of me so you can relax. I'm not going to get through all of those, okay? I'm just going to give you one, all right? Isn't that funny? Just one today. But maybe one is enough because you had enough to chew on. So let's go back to your notes for a moment. Those of you that are listening on radio, just uh, pick up the program tomorrow. Those of you that are picking us off the internet, just stay with us. Stay with this train. It's important. You've heard me say here, I don't know, about a dozen times, don't miss a Sunday because I'm a different kind of teacher. I want you to, I want you to know that each truth builds upon the previous week's truth because I want you to have the whole body. It's like, it's like buying a, a, a mystery novel and you want to read this chapter, but you miss that next week's chapter, but that's okay. I'll skip it. I'll read the one after that. You'll never know the whole mystery of all of this, and yet the Word of God is infinitely, I can't even describe it more than a mystery novel. It is God's word. And so you don't want to only have portions of your knowledge of God. You want to have as much of God as you can. So, and that's not to say that I am the beginning and end all on God's word. It's just to help us stay connected. All right, back to the Gospel of John. Again, last week is a little bit of a review. I covered three of the points. Why should I listen to Jesus? Because he says to us, believe in me as you do in God, which is elevating us. We all have this thing about, I know there is a God. I believe that there is a God. He is now reiterating his deity, and we need to believe in him. You don't believe in God to go to heaven. You believe in Christ. He says that later on in the passage, so he wants us to realize we must believe in Christ and have that intimacy with Christ. All right, number two, we talked about, he says, I will come back and take you to be with me. He says that here in verse three. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself. In the context that that is written, he is kind of reminding them that he's going to be gone. They're probably still foggy on all of this, but once he's gone, they're going to realize he's gone. He's not here. But they could always remember that he did say, but I will come again. Kind of reminding him that I won't be here for a while, but I'll be back again. And you can talk about the death and the resurrection, but you can also talk about when I leave this earth again at the ascension, I will still come back for you over here. So however it is, Jesus is coming back for you. So no matter what you're going through now, it's not about now. It's about God promising you a better life on the other side and that he's coming for you. The one caveat I want you to remember here, it says, I will come for you, which means you don't purpose in your heart to do something to go to him before he wants you to be with him. Did you catch what I just said? Did you read between the lines, you teenagers especially? The statistics are higher in your age group than any other. I will come to you. Now, if you die because of something you could not control, you're uh, in warfare and you die, you're in an automobile accident, you die, there's an illness that comes upon you, you die, you die of a violent death through crime, you didn't do that. He says, when that happens, I will come to you. But when you say, no, no, I want to go to him. And I, and he, do not want to stand before God before God wants you to stand before him. 
Okay, that's all I want to say about that. You won't lose your salvation if you're saved. But I sometimes wonder if you really did trust Christ. And we'll unpack that. If you want to know more about my position on salvation and suicide, you can see me privately and I'll give it to you. Number three, you will do even greater things than I have done. And of course, we already know that, that, uh, that the greater things that we can do than he's done is that he did not take the gospel all over the world during his life, but in our life we're seeing the gospel go all over the world. I'm doing something now that Jesus did not do. I'm doing a greater work now than what Jesus did then, and here's what I'm doing that he didn't do. Now, relax. Just, just take, hold on just a second. I'm on the radio. There are people here today as a direct result of listening to the messages that are on the radio here in this city. They're coming here. All right. They didn't see our building. They didn't hear our music. They didn't look at how ugly I am. They just heard the word of God and they said, I want deeper teaching. I want to know God's word and I want to be here. So they're here. Now, Jesus didn't have the radio in those days to do that. Does that mean I'm greater than him? No, 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 no. Because whatever I have to be able to be on radio still has all come from him. So all glory goes to him. Do I hear an amen on that? So you go home remembering that I said that last, that all glory goes to him. But there are greater works than you and I can do that he did not do then. It didn't mean that he could not do those works. He did not do those works. That's the difference. All right, so that's three. Let's get the last one for today. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is important because people that are going through trouble, sometimes you have what we call a foxhole religion. And that's where they finally get so broken, they're not crying unto God. I wonder how many are in prison ministries today that are dealing with men and women that are finally crying unto God. I don't, I don't want to belittle that. But I also know that there are some that when they go through this stuff, they still have not broken and they're still raising their fist at God, hating God. But the real bottom line is, the verse here says that I'm to pray to him. So let's go back over this passage. This is very critical on prayer, especially for those people that have a troubled heart. In verse 14, well, verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now that sounds really good. I can ask God for anything and he's going to do that for me. This is, this, is, this is like a genie in a bottle. In fact, I get more than three wishes. Whatever I want, I get this thing from the Lord. Well, I think we need to understand something. The proper interpretation of this passage isn't, I can ask God for anything as long as I let him know that I'm finished asking by ending it with, in Jesus' name, amen. Did you catch what I just said? How many people today, they feel like, I have to let the Lord know that I'm finally finished with my request. And I say, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have said, in Jesus' name, amen? I ended the morning with prayer in the morning, in Jesus' name, amen. It's not that we have to end our prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. So now we have a little bit of a caveat. Whatever I ask, as long as it's this way. How many times have you said, ask me anything you want, kids, as long as it's in reason? That's like saying this right here. You can go anywhere on the ship you want, but not right here. You can go anywhere you want, whatever you want, wherever you want. As long as that's what he's saying here. Whatever you want, you ask it in my name. So what you have to do now is spend the greater part of your study not on this, hey, I can ask anything I want from God, more on I need to understand his name so that when I pray in his name, then whatever I ask, I'll get. Which means once I understand in his name, that will now glean out all that other stuff I asked for that I'm now not needing to ask for because I'm not going to get. Because I didn't pray in his name. I had one Bible teacher that taught us spiritual life in Bible college. He said this, and this is something for you to talk about in your car on the way home today. He said that the Lord always answers your prayers yes. It's not yes, no, wait, or maybe. He answers it yes. 
Now think about that for a moment. He does. If you fit the parameter of what it takes to get that prayer answered in his name. So what does it mean to pray in his name? Well, obviously it means in the authority of his name. I like to say it more simply. If I'm praying in his name, and his name means Jehovah Yasha, God is everything is on his character. So whatever I pray in his name, here's my question. Would it be a prayer that Jesus himself would pray? If I'm praying in his name, I'm praying because I'm a part of his forever family. What he's done for me on the cross, I'm praying in his name, who he is. He is the Savior. He's the Savior because he died on the cross and rose again. I'm a part of his forever family, his child. When I pray in his name, I'm praying in his, the integrity and the character of the name. So all of that is tied to his purpose and his will and his plan. So if I'm going to pray whatever, it's got to be in the purpose, his will, and the plan. Am I praying in faith, believing? Now, I'm not saying name it and claim it. But I am saying I can't go to him doubting because he's only a rewarder of those who have faith when they seek him. So faith is a part of that. If I'm regarding iniquity in my heart and I've got all this sin going on and I say, Lord, give me this, why would he honor me when I'm sinning when you as a parent won't give everything your kids want when you know they're rebelling against you in their life? Think about that for a moment. And then at the very end, he gives you the caveat in here. Look at it. It says here. Go back to the passage. He says, that my father may be glorified in the son. So some of the stuff we might be asking for, the real question is, will he be glorified? Will the father be glorified in this? So what you want to help the people that are having a troubled heart right now, and they're praying to the Lord, help them to go through what it means to pray in the name of Christ. Because that in itself will begin to help clean up some of the things in their life to help them see God, Christ, at the center of their life. So now when they begin to pray, really, the beauty of it is, and I want to give you hope, folks, you will get whatever you ask. He didn't say this only to lie to you and say, yeah, I'm not really, I'm just saying this to make them feel good. <laughs> no, no, he said, and he said it twice. He said it more than that, if we pray in his name. So take some time and to go through this passage and those of you that have a troubled heart right now, I know you want to deal with the troubled heart and you know that the only way you're going to get out of this dilemma is if God takes over and does something. So you want to ask him to do that because that's the key. That's the key. You've got to ask him. You've got to ask. But when you do, make sure you're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> we had a good day today. I hope for you it was wonderful for me. I enjoyed doing this research. I enjoyed discovering more about the depth of Christ and his love and his shepherd, his heart for us. Oh, how he wants to comfort us. Oh, how he wants to guide us as a shepherd. Oh, how he wants to protect us. Oh, how he wants to provide for us. Oh, the Lord is so good to us. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. We're all one. And then he goes on to say, if you want to get to God, you've got to get, it, get, get him through me. I'm the way and the truth. And I'm the life. So maybe right now, wherever you are here or listening, maybe your troubled heart is more, not so much the fear and the trouble of this world, but you are afraid of dying. You're afraid of the consequences after death that you'll encounter. And maybe that's causing your heart to be troubled. And you know, I say this in all the love I can, so please understand. It should cause you that. It's that bit of the troubled heart now that now you go to him because Jesus didn't say don't let your heart be troubled and then he goes on to other stuff he says believe like you do in God believe in me 
So for your fear factor of where you're going to go when you die, I want you to place your faith in Jesus Christ because He wants you to place your faith in Him. He didn't say, believe in God, now do good deeds. He didn't say, believe in God, now believe in me and do good deeds. No, he just said, believe. Now, the good deeds are good things to do. and We talk about holiness, righteousness, sanctification, all these things that you dear Christians know about. But for salvation, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. You need to believe in him. Now, when you trust in him as your forever savior, your troubled heart over sin and guilt is gone because he forgives you. That doesn't mean that your consequences are not there. It doesn't mean that you still have to wake up tomorrow with an empty checkbook or a child who didn't come home or a lump who was there today but not tomorrow. But it does mean now that you have a problem solver in your life. You have a comforter in your life. You have a helper in your life. You've got an advocate in your life. And why am I so adamant about this? Because the word says so. And I believe it. It's truth. So is there anyone here that's ready to come to a point in their life where they're ready to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I've got a troubled heart here. And I, but I really am afraid of where I'm going to go when I die. And you said that I could have eternal life if I would come to you by faith and not by my good works. Jesus said... He that believes on me has right now everlasting life. Would you now say that somehow to the Lord? It's not a prayer. It's a mental transaction. It's a time of really depending on him. It's not just a head thing where you got some facts. It's where you believe those facts are true for you and you are now trusting in him and him alone. In a moment, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, when you do, raising your hand or me praying for you will not help you to become a child of God or have your sins forgiven. All it does is let me know that you're trusting Christ today. And I just want to thank the Lord and celebrate with you today. This has become your born again day. I'm not going to have you stand, stand up. I'm not going to have you walk the aisle. If you want to let me know on the guest card that's in your worship folder, that's fine. But right now it's between you and the Lord. Is there anyone here today that is now saying, Lord, I'm trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of my sin? You've never done it before. You're doing it now. And by the way, you do it once and that's it. You are born again. You do not ever need to be born again and again and again and again. You are born again in God's forever family. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone in here today that would like for me to remember them in my closing prayer? Because today is the day you believed in God, but now you're trusting in Jesus Christ as the way to your heavenly father would you slip up your hand is there anyone at all now Christians remember what we said today about him being the counselor the word of God being the counsel if anything just read the word get in the word every day abide in the word get involved in the small group study because you're putting all of this stuff in you so that when life happens you have something to lean on for your counsel and your wisdom and your comfort. And it also gives you the, the vitamins maybe, maybe some of the medicine, maybe some of the tools, maybe even some of the antidote to the poison that's inflicting a secular worldview in the lives of people. 
And you have all that in you to help them. And oh, to God be the glory. Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you that you just didn't leave us abandoned like an orphan in such a way without anyone to love us. I thank you that, Father, that you love us just the way we are and that we became your child by faith alone. And you are our heavenly Father. And you are the God of all comfort. And that, Father, you will comfort us in all the afflictions that we have in this life if we go to you in your word and let you do it your way. And so that, Father, that when we're comforted, we can come alongside others that have been afflicted, whoever they might be, because we want you to love them, teach them, comfort them through us. Father, we love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.